Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. You know, the Word unveils to us the living Christ. The written Word unveils to us the living Christ. He's alive and He's on the throne and He's making intercession for us. But He can only do it according to your knowledge of Him. And that's why grace and peace is multiplied to the knowledge of Him, God and Jesus our Lord. This parable is revealing to us revelation knowledge of the operation of the kingdom of God in the heart of man. We're taking it slowly, purposely, so that we could hear it the way He wants us to hear it. He says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And He said, Blessed are your ears, for they do hear. Let's start with verse 10 again and read down through. And the disciples came and said unto Him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and they hearing hear not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and, and seeing... He shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower." We said that this parable, the subject of the parable, is the Word of God. The object of the parable is to get results or to produce fruit. I mean, the whole reason for the farmer to plant the seed into the ground is so that he can produce fruit from that. Isn't that right? He wants to get the end results or the end product. They wouldn't do him any good to have a nice tall plant without having any fruit on it. The whole purpose is to bear fruit. And we are to bear fruit of righteousness. All the things that pertain to the kingdom of God operate through this principle. The Word of God in the heart of man will bear the fruit of righteousness and never fail to produce it as long as we follow the teachings that Jesus laid out here for us. Now, it's good to know just what a parable means. A parable in the Greek means to lay beside or to set beside another for comparison. In other words, he's going to set something beside another thing to compare it to that thing and you could understand an operation of it. The parable of the sower then is to set a spiritual truth, to convey to us a spiritual truth by using natural means or natural terms or natural things that are in the earth. So he's going to use a natural thing like the sowing of a seed, planting it in the, in the ground to get results, to get the fruit, to bear the fruit. And he's using that to convey to us a spiritual truth. Now we've got to understand it with our spiritual minds, our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears, our spiritual heart. If we do, we're going to understand what he's talking about. If not, we're going to live in the natural realm. That's why he said that he hid it from some of them that were wise and prudent because they couldn't understand it. They tried to get it with their head. They couldn't understand it with their head. You've got to understand it with your heart. So he's going to use a, a, a natural truth 
like sowing the seed into the ground and to convey to us a spiritual truth. Now, he said over here in verse 11, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of, God, of heaven, but to them it is not given. Go back with me to Matthew 11, the 25th and 26th verse. Like I said, we're going to repeat and we're going to go over and we're going to turn it over and upside down and inside out in every way we can to get all the truth we can get out of this parable. There's no need to hurry. We've got all the time till Jesus comes. Amen? The 11th chapter, verses 25 and 26. We saw that He hides things from, the, from those that are proud, from the, those that are caught up in pride. In verse 25, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. He has hid these things from the wise and from the prudent, but He has revealed these things unto babes. The wise and the prudent are those that have intelligence, intellectual understanding, had knowledge, they learn things through the physical senses, and everything that they understand is in the intellectual realm. They're the wise men. Now, He doesn't do that purposely. He's not purposely doing it. It's just that He's putting it in such easy terms that the wise man doesn't seem to get it. He thinks everything is based on what's up here. But yet those that are babes, and really it's just, he's using this metaphorically speaking, is someone who's not too, well, say unsophisticated in his mind. He's not educated his mind at the expense of his heart. Not saying that he doesn't have any knowledge, or that he's dumb or anything like that. But it's what it's saying is, he's not based his life on his intelligence, but he's based it on the principles of life that he understands from his heart. So, that's what he's talking about when he's talking about a babe. Someone who's not so educated in their head that they've lost the true meaning of, of knowledge in their heart. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians. Take a look at the first chapter. Notice it says he hid these things from the wise and from the prudent, but he's revealed these things unto babes. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Let's start with verse 18. These things are so simple that sometimes I think we make it hard and miss it. This truth is so simple, if you just follow the principles that he's laying down here in the parable of the sower and the seed, you can get end results of every bit of righteousness that you have. You can get healed by it, you can get delivered by it, you can get set free by it, you can get saved by it. That's for sure, that's the first thing that happened to you, was that you got saved by it. Anything you need, you can get uh, your financial needs met by it. You can get loved ones saved by it. You can get all the things that pertain to the kingdom of God by it. But let's read here in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. He says, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. You take simple heart faith and you tell it to an intellectual and they, can't, they don't know where you're coming from. He said, I'm going to take the wisdom of this world, I'm going to bring it down to nothing. Well, why? And I begin to meditate on that. I want to understand that a little bit. And, and I just began to go back to the beginning of time. Remember when Adam was alive spiritually, how he communicated with his father God. But then I remember when he died spiritually, when he was separated. Man became dominated by his senses. By his senses, he could not find God. He was unable to find God. He could not get back to God. So consequently, he relied on his understanding. He relied on his senses. He relied on the wisdom of the world. And when he relied on the wisdom of the world, 
He began to understand things only in a natural sense and he could not have any spiritual insight. So God began to reveal himself to man through types and shadows. He began to reveal redemption through types and through shadows. And I began to see some things. I began to see how these types and shadows are just like these parables. Proverbs and parables. They would convey a spiritual truth, but they would use natural means. As you look through the entire Old Covenant, you can see them showing, God showing through types and shadows everything that the Messiah was to do. You can see everything that was going to happen to the believer. How he had to become a priest. How the high priest was there. We became kings and priests under God. There was the king, there was the priest, there was the prophet that had the Holy Spirit. And right on down through all the periods of time, you can begin to see types and shadows of what God wanted to be done. Now, the old covenant people, they took it from an intellectual standpoint. They took the, sac the sacrifices and the offerings. They took it from an intellectual standpoint. They took the holies of holies as being here upon the earth. They took it from an intellectual, from a sensual standpoint. In other words, they were the ones that had to do all these things. They were the ones that had to accomplish all these works. It was their responsibility to see that man was redeemed, that man was set free from their sins. They didn't realize that was only a type and a shadow of good things to come. And so Jesus is conveying to us in this parable spiritual truth, not intellectual truth. Because of their intellect, they missed the entire spiritual meaning of what was to take place when Jesus died, resurrected from the dead, went to the heavenly holies of holies and offered up His blood. Because they thought they were the ones that were doing it. They didn't understand it. And now there's more Christians today that do not understand this parable. They do not understand how the kingdom of God operates in the heart of man and consequently they're not receiving the fullness of what God has for them in the earth. Now I don't know about you, but I want to receive it all. I want to see with my spiritual eye. I don't want to see with my natural wisdom and knowledge. Look what he wanted to say about it. He wanted to say that he'll destroy this wisdom. Verse uh, 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not, knew not God. The world by wisdom knew not God. They could not find God. Science says God's not out there. We sent a guy to the moon. We couldn't find him. The wisdom of this world cannot find God. I don't care how much they land on the moon. I don't care how many people they try to put out there. They're not going to find God that way. They're not going to find Him with the natural eye. You've got to find Him with your heart, with your spirit, with the man on the inside. Amen? And through His Word. For the Jews... Well, let's finish that. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. The Greeks couldn't find it because in their, in their wisdom that they had, they couldn't see it. They couldn't find them under a microscope. They couldn't find them by, you know, all their intellectual knowledge. And the Jews had them right before their eyes, but they couldn't see him. Why? Because they couldn't see beyond the natural realm. They couldn't see beyond the sense realm. Now you try to get most believers today to go beyond the sense realm other than salvation. And they don't know what to do. They're lost. They cannot see spiritually. They cannot see the things of God working. They can't see the Word of God working out there in the spirit world to produce the things you need in this world to produce your healing, to produce your deliverance, to produce anything you need to have produced in your life. It'll produce fruit. But if we will open up our spiritual eyes, if we will open up our spiritual ears, 
then we'll begin to understand with our spirit, understanding in the heart. And then we're going to be able to see the operation of the kingdom of God. And we're going to be with faith and patience. We'll keep the word in our heart to produce all the fruit that we need. And you know what will be? Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Listen to this. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting what? Say it again, wanting what? Wanting nothing. Wait a minute. Wanting nothing. You mean I can get to the point, you want to have any wants out there? Did you ever hear a wife say, I want to go buy a dress? Ever hear a kid say, I want this or I want that? Did you? Did you ever say, I want to go buy this or buy that or I want this or I have need of that or I want this or I want that? Sounds like to me that if, if God says you can get to a place that you could be perfect and entire wanting nothing, you have reached a place of spiritual development of growth. I never saw yet a person on this earth that didn't have a want. Did you? Did you? Don't you want something? Don't you want to get closer to Jesus? You won't even want to because you'll be close. I like that. We could actually mature to a place in spiritual growth on this earth that we could be perfect and mature. That That means mature. Wanting nothing. Because you will be as a tree planted by the rivers of water producing love and joy. And peace and patience and kindness and goodness and meekness and temperance and faith and godliness and brotherly kindness and all the knowledge of God. And you will not be barren, but you will be fruitful, a fruitful vine. And when you bear all the fruit of righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. Your health, your healing, your prosperity, the house you need to live in, the car you need to drive, the food you need to supply your, you know, your, your, your body's needs, and all the things that you need to clothe yourself with. All those things will be added unto you because you'll be that tree. And when you get to that place in your life, you'll be a Jesus vine. I mean operating in the fullness of God. Now, that's pretty good. But you see, it's the wisdom of this world that has kept Christians to a place that they do not benefit from all the things that God has given when He said, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Because they went at it from a natural standpoint. It reminds me of Moses. Moses was told, go and deliver my people from the Egyptian bondage. And Moses got on his coat and he got off his whip and whatever he had. And he went on down to Egypt and he saw someone trying to beat up one of his brothers. And he said, the Lord has sent me to deliver them and he killed them. He did it in the flesh. See, that's how most Christians go about it, in the flesh. So consequently, it stopped his ministry for 40 years. God had to go up there and teach him the truth. He had to go up there and teach him faith. Everybody knew what he did. Forty years, everything was stopped. But forty years later, he came back. And by the word of God, by the sword of the Spirit, he went forth. In the flesh, he couldn't kill one Egyptian. But blessed be God, in the name of the Lord, he went out and killed the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And it was a whole lot easier. Because God did it. Now, that's how God wants us to be. Don't have to go out there and get it in the flesh. Don't have to go out there and get it in natural means. You just be that tree planted by the rivers of water. That's where he said to stay. We get off away from the water. Stay by the water and you'll bear fruit. 
See, that's, that's, that's exactly what God wants us to know. Let's go and finish that passage of Scripture. Verse 25, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things that are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. That no flesh should glory in His presence. See, people got it backwards, friends. When someone goes off and tells what great things God had done, they think you're bragging. But you're not. You're not glorying for yourself. You're glorying for what He's done through you, through the Word, through your spirit. And there's nothing, that's the biggest trick of the devil to get you to a place that, that if you go off and do things that, under the anointing of the Spirit of God, that you're building up yourself. But the Bible says we are laborers together. We are workers together with Him. And if God is doing the things through you, then it's God that's doing it and He's going to get all the glory. See, the devils are trying to turn all this around to get you people caught up in the pride and the thinking that, all of us, in, in the thinking that when you go off and tell the wonderful things God's done for you as though you're bragging on yourself, but you're not. I hear that all the time. They say, all you do is brag about all the things that God's done for you. That's bragging on God. Doesn't the Bible say to bear much fruit that your Father would be glorified in heaven? Isn't that what He wants? Who's getting, glo who's getting the glory out of it? Your Father in heaven. Every time you tell what God has done for you, your Father is glorified in heaven. Now, we went on to say, let's go over to the third chapter of the same book. Look at here, in verse 18, I wish I had time to go through all this, but we don't. We hit it in different areas, but look at verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become as a fool, that he may be wise. Let him become as a fool, so that he may be wise. I, Paul said, I don't want to know anything save Jesus and Him crucified, and I count everything else but dung. All the things that I learned up here in this head, and he was an intellectual, he says, I count it all but dung. You try to convey a spiritual truth, one that Jesus said would cause you to understand all parables. You try to convey that to people to help them, to get them delivered, to get them healed, to get them set free. And they come off like as though you was teaching some kind of false doctrine. When the Lord Jesus Christ Himself said, this is how the kingdom operates. Let's go and read the next verse. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. How much of it? All are yours. So much, you know, the Bible says that all the silver and the gold and all the cattle on a thousand and a hill, that's the Lord's. Why is it the Lord's? Do you think He needs some money? 
Do you think he's got to go to Kroger's? Do you? Or maybe he's got to get his kids some shots at the doctor? You think? No. No. You think he's got a savings account? Draw on interest? No. Someone says, but you shouldn't want to have anything. Well, then what's it for? Who's it for? The wicked. Why? So they could gamble more. So they can have more prostitution. So they can have their parties. So they can promote all the pornography they do. Why? Let that. So they can buy them, you know, big houses and have all their parties and have all their this and that's. And is that who it's for? I guess so. But it doesn't say that. It says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Now, come on. All things are yours. All that silver, all that gold, and all that cattle is yours. It's ours. Why? So we could promote the gospel. Not so that Russia could promote all that they promote, communism. Well, I'll tell you what, I never, read, I never forget that article. We're going to get off into some things. That's okay. You don't mind. I read that. I read an article, and that article said, We communist people, we're going to defeat you, Christians. Said, You know why? We give up all of our time, we give up most of our money, we give up our vacations, we give up sometimes our food and fast to promote communism. But you Christians, this writer said, communist writer. You Christians got a more powerful weapon than we could ever dream to have. But you're lazy. You spend all your money on good times. You promote pleasures. You promote even inside the churches all kinds of activities and spend all kinds of money on this and on that and on everything else, he said. But you don't get up and promote the gospel of your Lord Jesus Christ. And because you don't, he said, will prevail over you. And you know why he won't? Because Jesus said they won't. And he also went on to say this. He says, and we watch our words. That's what they said. He said, Christians are too lazy. They're not willing to give up their vacation time. They're not willing to give up their money. They're not willing to give up their food. They're not willing to give up all those things for Christ. But we are for communism. That's what they said. And I read it. And it wouldn't be sad. It's so pathetic if it wasn't true. They're too busy arguing, fighting, fussing. They just make it go one way. You know, I think it's time that we start playing church and start playing like we should. I think it's time we start looking the devil eye to eye and start fooling around, stop fooling around with the Word of God. He says, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You preach some of these messages on faith, and, and we're, we're going to get into this thing in a minute. And uh, you, first thing you know, well now, brother, I don't believe it that way. 
You can believe it like you want to believe it. I'll believe it like I want to believe it. And the guy down the street will believe it like he wants to believe it. And that guy will believe it like he wants to believe it. And before you know it, we've got everybody's 24, 30, 50 doctrines going at one time. But we say, well, you know, we've got to be united together as one. We've got to be in unity. We've got to be in harmony. Let's face it. If there is, no, if there is not a gospel a complete gospel that we can all agree to 100% that is the kingdom of God divided? Does the church have to believe 20 or 30 or 40 different doctrines? I don't believe so. And I believe it's because it's so simple that they've missed it. Black is black and white is white. Sickness, disease, and death, and evil, and destruction, and killing, and stealing, and destroying comes from the devil, and good, and Life and love and health and peace and happiness all come from God. Anything that crosses that line is heresy. God is good, Satan is evil. God is love and Satan is hate. God is life and Satan is death. God is prosperity and Satan is poverty. And we cannot cross that line. We can't. And I think it's time that the church start to wake up and realize who we are. And to realize that the gates of hell have been bombarding the church with false doctrine and heresy down on through the ages. But it's time that the church of the living God stand up and declare that He is the enemy and He's the liar that, that Jesus said He was. And we start taking up the sword of the Spirit. And we start walking in the victory in life and health and prosperity and love and all that God has provided for us. And move it off and let the wisdom of God put to naught the wisdom of this world. Boy, I'll tell you what, you'll have people coming in. When they see the prosperity of the saints of God, they'll be coming in. They'll be saying, hey, what is this? What is this? And do you know what that prosperity will go to be doing? Promoting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The more you get, the more you give. I know that. The more I get, the more I give. The more I give, the more I give, the more supported. The more missionaries I support, the more the word is preached. The more you support, the more it gets out. Isn't that right? That's how it works. Now, I know there's a false, there's a line there about greed. You've got to watch that line. But I'll tell you what, you can't promote a gospel without money. And it's time we start to realize that it has to take money to get it across. Isn't that right? We're getting off in something. Let's go back to Matthew 13. That's the truth. How are you going to promote the gospel? Oh, they just give Pat Robertson free time on the air, right? Sure they do. You know, just throw in a nickel or something. You know, give him a little offering or something. No, they don't do that. On the contrary, they're doing all they can do to get him off the air. Making sure to it that he can't pay his bills. Same thing on all the Christian programs. Same thing the devil wants to do to every Christian organization. Keep them bankrupt so that they can't support, be supported. And they can't speak on the radio. And they can't get the Word of God out. Can you see that? No. Blessed be God, I believe that right now that the wealth of the sinner is going into the hand of the righteous. And the righteous are speaking forth the Word and taking the Word across places like it's never been before. Amen. Why? Because of the means, the financial means that they're getting today. 
to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we said over here in this 13th chapter that the key to understanding spiritually, the key to being able to see into the spirit world was to see with the eye and to hear with the ear. In other words, the doorway into the heart is the eyes and the ears. So take heed as to what you're hearing. Take heed as to what you're understanding. And as you do, you're going to understand with your spiritual mind. You're going to understand with your spiritual ears. And as you do, faith come up by that kind of hearing. And when it goes inside your spirit, man, you will be lit with the light of God. The seed will be planted. You'll begin to bear fruit. Now, let's go on down to verse 19. Well, we're not going to take time to read all that again. Seeing, hearing, and understanding in the heart. But verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one that can catch it the way that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. First of all, he first heard it. He first heard it. When you first heard it. When somebody first hears the word of the kingdom. When somebody first hears it. When somebody's in darkness and they first hear it. They understand it not. When they first hear it. I said, it's like saying somebody like this. Uh, I know somebody, I said, you know, you must be born again. You know what he said? I've been in a church for 30 years. How about you? Well, you know, I just got saved. How long ago? Oh, about three months, you know. I've been in a church 30 years. You'll get there someday, friend. I said, you must be born again. Doesn't say you must be in a church. Jesus never said, except you be in a church, you'll see the kingdom of God. Did he say that? He said, very, very, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except you be born again. Not except you be in a church. I said, but you've got to be born again. He said, I've been in a church for 30 years. Taught Sunday school. Played the organ. You know. Had a bake sale once a week. Etc., 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 you know. I said, but have you been born again? I've been in church for 30 years. I said, you're not hearing me. Have you been born again? You know what I'm talking about? Satan coming along. You've been in church for 30 years. Hey, you're good. Stole a word just like that. That's how it works. Satan cometh instantly. That's why Jesus said that. Then when a little seed goes into the ground, if you get a little bird, he comes along and takes that seed out. That seed can't produce fruit, can it? It's gone like that, can it? It's got to stay in the heart. You keep on planting them seeds until one of them finally gets root inside that heart. But the best, the fastest way, the devil's going to get it. And here's the same thing in healing. Went off your way. Got, as soon as you got home, your little one got burned up with fever. Immediately come at the devil. For what purpose? To steal the word out of your heart. You just heard it. You can't possibly understand it in your heart yet. Not in-depthly, not deep enough. Okay, so you go home and you say, Well, dear God, let's see. Here, look, it's burned up with fever. Let's pray. Let's do something. One second later, five, two minutes later, three minutes later. Oh, honey, didn't work. Honey, didn't work. Honey, didn't work. Let's call a doctor. Let's do this. Let's do this. You begin to panic. Hey, this faith business doesn't work. The devil just stole it right out of your lap. Just stole that seed that was sown. Why? Because you didn't read the whole thing. You didn't get a spiritual understanding of it. You didn't have any deepness in your heart to see how this thing works. So you walked off and said, because it didn't work the moment I did it, it doesn't work for anybody and it's no good at all. So that person heard it by the wayside. That's probably the first time they heard it. 
And so they walked off and said it'll never work for them. But they don't go back and study the principles of what Jesus laid down here. And so consequently, he robbed it right away from them. All they heard was this, just say you're not sick and you're not sick and everything will be all right. And so they says, oh honey, she don't have a fever. No, she's not sick. She's not sick. She's not sick. She's not sick. But it doesn't work by saying you're not sick. It'll never work that way. See, the devil tried to slip some things in there called positive confession. But it doesn't work by positive confession. Confession is part of it. But it's not the whole of it. He said, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And I want you to notice that it's the heart Jesus is talking about. Verse 19. From verse 19, he is talking about the condition of the heart. The seed, he says, will never fail, but it's the heart of man that can be filled with stones, that can be filled with thorns and with thistles. And if that heart is not thoroughly cultivated and developed, then that heart will not be a proper place to produce the fruit. So if this is the first time you're going to hear a message on healing or on faith or on love, whatever the case might be, you're not going to fully understand it. But Jesus said, continue in my word. You're my disciple indeed. You'll know the truth. Just continue in it. Just listen. Just keep hearing and take heed as to what you hear and how you hear. Now, this person didn't gain anything of it. And if that person walks off and just says it doesn't work, he'll never gain the knowledge of the kingdom of God. And God's grace will not be multiplied to him. Go to the next verse. Verse 20. But he that receiveth the, the, the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and in with joy receiveth it. Yet... He, yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Notice that the persecution and the affliction or the tribulation is coming because of the what? When was it coming? When the word was what? Received. When the word was received. Did you notice that when the word was received, there were stones? And no deepness of earth. In other words, there was no depth. And there were some maybe false teachings or false doctrines that a person might have in his heart. The word came into the heart and would have produced, but the heart was not prepared for the word. Listen when I say this. Most people do not get their healing because they plant the seed in their heart before their heart is ready for the seed. No farmer goes back into his backyard or if you've got a little garden there somewhere and just starts throwing seeds with all the stones and all the weeds and all the thorns and all the thistles. Any good farmer will go back there, turn over the soil, get rid of all the weeds, put in some manure, fertilizer, prepare the land, get the land all set and ready, Make sure it's real nice and ready for the seed, and then the seed goes in. That is the pure heart. But people have tried to take the Word and receive a healing in their body or whatever our financial need meant, but didn't take the stones out of their heart, didn't take the thorns or the thistles out of their heart, did not cultivate the heart, and consequently, the Word wouldn't fail, but the heart failed to produce. Can you see that? I would rather you not pray for your need tonight. I would rather you study first. I'd rather you get your heart. Let me explain that for a minute. We're going to see how it's planted. Here's a lot of stones in the hearts of people for healing in their body. Here's the first one I always hear. 
What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What about it? Your name, Paul? Is it? They say, this is my thorn in the flesh. No understanding of the Word of God. No understanding of what it was. Only somebody picked it up by the wayside that it was an eye disease. Or somebody picked it up that it was some this or that or whatever they say it was. And so their heart is filled with this thought. This may be my thorn in the flesh. That's a stone in your heart. There's no deepness. There's no depth inside that person's heart. They're trying to bleed for healing, but the devil keeps saying, that's your thorn, that's your thorn, that's your thorn, that's your thorn. It chokes out the word. The word can't work. You better find out about Paul's thorn before you pray. Someone says, it might not be God's will to heal me. That is a stone in your heart. That is a thorn. That is a thistle. That's growing in with the word. You have a prayer of faith prayed for you. You plant the seed inside your heart. You begin to say, glory to God, I believe I received my healing. And the first thing you say, well, someone says, well, are you sure that's God's will to heal you, brother? You know, your Christian friend. I mean, a non-believer wouldn't say that. But your Christian friend would. And that's how you sure that it's God's will to heal. Well, you know. But they say, well, look at right here. It may not be God's will. How do you know it's God's will? Well, I know so-and-so didn't get healed. must have been God's will. How do you know it's God's will for you? And before you know it, they're baffled. The seed started to take root. But there was no death. He said, you might be right. You know, they prayed just, just yesterday. And I don't feel a bit better. You may be right. Maybe it's not God's will. So he doesn't get healed. Goes off and says, this doesn't work. You've got to get that out of your heart. You might as well get all the questions answered. You get Paul's thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. It was the devil. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that a thorn in the flesh or a thorn in the eye or a thorn in the side was a sickness or a disease. Nowhere in the Bible you can find it. Why take it there? It doesn't mean that. So you've got to get that out of your garden. You've got to get those stones out. You've got to get all that garbage out. You've got to start to fertilize it. You've got to start to put some of that manure inside your heart. See? You've got to fertilize that ground. How? Jesus bore my sicknesses and diseases. Turn that over in your heart for a while. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. With his stripes I was healed. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. Now you can stand on Paul's thorn if you want. I'm going to stand on Matthew 8, 17. He took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Amen? Yeah. Now you're talking about a pure heart. A pure heart. A pure heart will line up with the Word. See? Now that pure heart is a good place for the seed to grow. Can't you see that? So you better get that out of your heart if you're going to start to believe God for your healing. Get it out. Get it out right now. Just move it away from you. Rake out the sticks. Amen. Get them out of your life. How do you plant the seed? I'm going to show you how you can dig it up. Let's see how we plant the seed. Go to 1 Corinthians. Third chapter again. How do you sow the seed? Well, in Mark 4... Jesus said, the sower soweth the seed, which is the word. The sower soweth the word. The sower, who's the sower? Jesus was the sower in this parable. Jesus was the sower. The sower soweth the what? The seed, which is the what? Which is the word. So the word is sown how? By speaking it. Well, isn't that right? Jesus sowed the word. How did he do it? By speaking it. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word. 
So the word is planted by speaking. We speak the word. Let's see something over here. The third chapter. Let's take a look at verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers of whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? Go to the next verse, 6. I have planted Apollos, watered, but God gave the increase. Paul was the preacher, Apollos was the teacher, and God is the sunlight. The seed planted, your heart is the ground. The water does the teaching, teaches you how to do it. But God gives the increase, the light that's coming, the grace that's coming, the knowledge that's coming, gives the increase and produces the fruit. The light is the knowledge of how the kingdom operates in your heart. Next verse. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and that watereth are one, and every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. For we are labors together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Now listen. They keep saying, well, if you went to the altar and you didn't get healed, evidently the guy that prayed for you didn't have any faith. Wait a minute. He said here that the planter is nothing. He said here that the water is nothing. But God is the one that giveth the increase. Now the planter is one, one with the water. They're preaching the same word. They're teaching the same principles. But it is the heart that receives the word in line with God when they receive that word and then the light of that knowledge of how it operates is going to give the increase when God looks down and says, that person is fertile soil. That person has a rich heart. They're watering that word with the teaching of the word. They're watering that seed. Consequently, God causes it to grow in your heart. And before you know it, it grows into the healing of your body. God did it, not man. If you think a man's going to heal you, you might as well forget it. Man will never heal anybody. But God will give the increase. So the word is planted in your heart by speaking. 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 Now the first thing that that person did. Let's go back to Matthew 13. He received the word. And that's fine. That's what you're supposed to do. But notice these principles. He heard. He received. He received it with joy. He said, yes, I agree that this is the truth. I received that word with joy. He went and did it. He may have come to the altar. He may have prayed and had prayer made. But it goes on to say that through affliction and persecution, for the word's sake, He's offended. Now, let's, let's just take a picture of this. The person hears. Jesus is the healer. They want to be healed. They come to the altar. They kneel down to pray. At the time of prayer, the seed of healing is planted into that heart. They receive it. They actually say, I believe I receive. I receive it now. They get up. They walk away. What they do from that point on determines whether or not it will be completely manifested. 
if they walk away, all right, and they begin to, how was it planted? By the words that they spoke. I believe, I receive my healing. Now you've got the affliction and the persecution. You say, is it going to come? Yes, it's going to come. You mark that down in your Bible that every time you pray, the devil's coming. I've said it like this before. You've got a little antenna. It's called a faith antenna. You, as long as you're not walking and exercising your faith, that antenna's down. If, you, if Satan looks all over the church, he's going to pick you out if you exercise your faith. Is immediately, when you exercise your faith, your antenna goes swoop, straight up in the air. Goes right up to heaven. You have got a line to heaven. It's pointing right up to that King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus, your healer. You know what the devil does? Afflicts and persecutes. For what sake? Not for you. Who are you? You're not important. <laughs> the devil don't care about you. What's he care about you? He don't care about you. He don't care about me. He don't care about any of us. I'll say it this way. He, he is so... I don't know what you call him. I don't like to call him anything. He's so dumb. First of all, he doesn't care if you die and go to heaven. He don't. He don't care if you die and go to hell either. Someone said, well, why do Christians die? Because he don't care if you die and go to heaven either. Because once you get out of this world, you're not bothering him. Think about it. You can only do him damage while you're down here. You can only step on his head while you're here on this earth. You get off up and in there, you've got to get somebody else going to do it. So he don't care if you're a saint and you die and go to heaven. You're out of his way. He goes, Phew, another one gone. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Especially if you're growing in the faith. Especially if you're learning your authority. Especially if you've got your heel on his head and going like that every once in a while. He's saying, get that boy out of here. Get that lady out of my sight. Let her go off in the glory. Just get her out of here. She can't do me any damage up there. But down here, she is a thorn in my... <laughs> Hallelujah. My neck. Right. I was going to say his flesh, but he didn't have a body. So a thorn in his spirit, whatever you want to say. Amen. Isn't that right? Get him out of here. So he doesn't care whether you die and go into heaven. So we got to understand how this principle works. If he gets you out of, out of his way, he's all, he's all right as far as, as far as he's concerned. So sickness and disease is going to come against you and he's going to attack you with it. He's going to afflict you and persecute you. Now. The good part is to know that He's coming. And if I know that He's coming, when I walk away from this altar, you better expect to hurt worse. Someone say, that don't sound like you got healed. I didn't say that. That's what you believe. Nobody ever that came to an altar, and I'm going to use it metaphorically speaking, came to an altar and planted their seed into the ground and walked off five minutes later and said, Oh, I went to the altar and I planted a tomato seed and five minutes I had a ripened tomato. Now that would be silly, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? The healing in your body is the ripened tomato. It, doesn't, it can work that way. It can be instantaneous. It can be within a half hour. It can be within five minutes. But most of the time it's not. God says you get it by faith. And the devil says, I'm not backing off until I find out if that person's serious. So your pain may get worse. You follow me? Now, if you have no depth, 
If you have no root, no place for the roots to go, you're going to dry up and wither away. And it's the same light, it's the same sun, the same sun that will give that tomato all it needs to grow and to produce the fruit is the same sunlight that could burn it up. You planted it with your mouth. You burned it up with your mouth. You said, I believe I'm healed. You said it didn't work. The same light. The same knowledge. Why? No depth. Expect to walk back from this altar saying, on the inside. I know, Mr. Devil, it hurts worse. On the inside. Don't say it. On the inside. But you say this on the outside. I didn't say I looked healed. I didn't say I feel healed. Well, you want to read, we walk by sight, not by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. I believe I planted the seed of healing at five minutes after seven on such and such a date, such and such a time. And that seed is in my heart right now. And you must have just, go ahead and do what you want to do. You must have packed up your symptoms and get out of my life. Because I'll tell you what, look, it just grows into a little plant. You see it in there? And you start to see through the eye of faith. And as you begin to see through the eye of faith, oh, it may still hurt you. You say, glory be to God. Hallelujah. I can see that plant. I can see it growing. You see a little leaf there, honey? Amen. You start talking. Some will say, you, you sound like you're off the deep end. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm on the deep end of the things of God. And I go off the deep end of the things of this world. The wisdom of, of man is foolishness. But the wisdom of God is wise. And so you walk off and sing, glory, glory. And your Christian friend says, you don't look like you're healed. I didn't say I looked like it. I didn't say I felt like it. I said I believe it. What do you believe? I believe I receive. I received the seed of healing into my spirit, man. Five minutes after seven. Last Wednesday. And blessed be his holy name. Right now it's a tree. Blessed be His holy name, it's bearing fruit. You talk like you're supposed to. You just take that word. You begin to feed that word. You begin to water it. You prepare your heart. We're going to see how to do that. Let's get, where are we at? Let's get back here. Hallelujah to Jesus. Let's go back to the 18. I told you we're going to see something here. Let's go back to the 18th chapter of the book of Proverbs. 20 and 21. And then we'll go back to the 12th chapter. We've got to see how to cultivate this heart of ours. I'm ready to go off and get ahead of myself, and I'd love to do it. Glory to God. See, you've got to continue in this. Because you're seeing it through a spiritual standpoint, not an intellectual one. Someone says, faith is blind. No, it's not. Pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, be open to the spirit world. And faith is not blind. Oh, you can see it. You can see it through the spirit world. You can see it through the eyes of your understanding, spiritual understanding. And you'll go off and you'll start acting like as though you have it because you'll know you do have it in the spirit world. Let's see something here. 18th chapter, verses 20 and 21. The way you planted the seed was into your heart was by the words that you spoke, which produces life. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the what? Okay. And with the increase of his lips, so shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the what? And they that love it shall eat the what? 
You want to bear fruit? What fruit do you want to bear? Life or death? How do you bear fruit? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit. Why will they eat the fruit of it? I'm glad you asked that. Proverbs 13 verses. <laughs> Go back there. All right. I mean, any farmer that plants tomatoes wants to eat that tomato. I mean, I hear people saying right now, boy, I wish I had a homegrown tomato. Them store-bought tomatoes is not the same. Isn't that right? You plant them in your garden, you want that good fruit. Isn't that right? Let's look over here. Let's start with verse, verse 2. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his what? Of his mouth. That's how you're going to eat good, by the fruit of your mouth. But the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his what? And all that pertains to it. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have what? That comes from death, doesn't it? Okay, when you planted the seed into your heart, you begin to speak lies. But you've got to speak the Word. Your heart's got to be prepared. If you've got any of these questions in your mind out there right now, your heart's not prepared to pray for healing. If you don't understand Paul's thorn in the flesh, if you don't know whether it's God's will to heal you or not, if you don't know that Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law, sin, sickness, disease, and poverty, and everything else that goes with it, if you don't know all that, if you don't know it's God's perfect will to heal every one of His children, matter I'll put it this way, God healed every one of His children. It's His perfect will that His children never have sickness or disease in their body. That's His perfect will. And if you don't know that, then you've got thorns. You've got thistles. But some of them come over and say, well, I'm going to try it. Did you ever see a farmer go in his backyard and stand out there with a hand filled with seed like that and said, what are you doing, honey? I'm trying to plant this seed. See if it works. I mean, he'd be awful funny, wouldn't he? But I hear him say, oh, I'm going to try this faith and see if it works. You might as well forget it. I'm going to try to plant this seed, see if it works. When are you going to do it? You've got to make up your mind. And if you're going to start doing it in all the stony ground, you're not going to get it. And if you're going to do it with all the thorns and the thistles, it's going to be choked out. But if you're going to do it into a pure heart. Let's go back over here to the 12th chapter of Proverbs and let's read something over here. We're going to talk about digging out that heart, filling up that heart, cleaning it out. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceived. This is verse 5, 12th chapter, verse 5. Verse 6. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver him them. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. A righteous man regardeth his life, the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Look at verse 11. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The wicked desireth the, the net of the evil man, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. He that, verse 11 said, he that tilleth his land. Going on to verse 13. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. 
He's talking about tilling out your land, tilling out your heart with the words of your mouth. And go back to the beginning, He tells you how to do it with the thoughts. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. The words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver him. Thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds. Thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds. Jesus said, make the fruit good. The tree good and the fruit good. Or make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. By the words of your mouth, he said. Now what it's saying here is this. Your heart has got to be tilled. The land has got to be raked out. All the thorns, all the thistles, all the garbage that's in the land inside your heart has got to come out. All the thoughts, all the imaginations, and all the strongholds have got to be pulled down. You remember over there in Second Corinthians, the 10th chapter, where it talks about building up strongholds? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Remember where it says that? Casting down what? Thoughts and imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought of the obedience of Christ. Okay, you take that process. You, you work it that way, the way the devil works it. And here's what you're going to have. A person begins to think like this. Well, somebody told me that Paul's thorn in the flesh means that everybody has to have some kind of sickness or disease in their body so that they can't get exalted above measure. So you begin to think that. You begin to hear that. You begin to say that. You begin to talk about that. It first starts out as a thought. Somebody brought that to your attention. The devil did. And when you took that thought, it just was a thought. You didn't cast down that thought or imagination. You began to imagine it. You began to think about it. Well, everybody said Paul had sickness and disease. Everybody said Paul had this. And they could begin to see the man walking from meeting to meeting. Miles upon miles upon miles upon miles in a weakened condition. As a beggar, so to speak. In sickness and disease. In power. They can just see him like that. And so they begin to imagine this. And the first thing that comes to them is this. They begin to think, this here arthritis is a thorn in my flesh given to me so I won't be exalted above measure. And they begin to see themselves. They begin to think this thought. They begin to imagine this is part of their life for the rest of their lives. And it becomes a stronghold. And their heart is filled with stones. Their heart is choked with all thorns and all the thistles of heresy, false doctrine, wrong teaching. Name it what you want to name it. Fallacy. It's all wrong. What happens? That heart cannot produce the seed of healing in that body. And someone says, well, why didn't so-and-so get healed? Because that's how their heart was. Someone says, you're getting pretty bold. You're blaming this here wonderful man of God of not having his heart right. Don't let the devil trick you. Don't let the devil put those thoughts in your minds. God knows the heart. Jesus said right here, it's the condition of your heart. It is not the seed. To say that prayer did not work when prayed in faith, to say that that seed of healing was not sown in that man's heart is calling Jesus a liar. But to say that that seed did not grow because that man's heart had something wrong with it is the truth. And I'd be the first to get on my knees. If it didn't work for me, and I'd say, Dear Father, where did I miss it? 
get the stone out of my heart. Get the thorn out of my heart. Get the thistle out of my heart because I'm aiming to get healed. Can you see that? You've got to till up the ground of your heart. You've got to put, up, put inside of it all the love. All the, he said I'm talking about wisdom here. You've got to put the wisdom of God inside that heart. You've got to put the love of God inside that heart. You've got to put wisdom. You've got to put knowledge. You've got to put understanding. You've got to put charity, love, love, brotherly kindness, the divine love, agape love. All these things have got to be in your heart. You've got to weed out all the false teaching, all the wrong doctrines. You've got to weed out this fact that God's trying your faith. You might as well just get that out of your vocabulary. You might as well just get it out. I tell it to people and I get more comments on that. Well, if God's doing it to you, then let Him do it. God's not doing it to you. The devil is. Did you ever read where it says the tempter of the devil come to do it to you? Did you ever read where the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? What's he coming to steal? The word from your heart. Jesus said that person's going to get offended. He walks off from the meeting. He says, it didn't work for me. Gets offended. Gets back into his self-pity. Pride, God's grace, like a wall, hits a barrier of resistance and cannot get to that man's heart. Now, if you want to humble yourself before God and get on your knees and say, Father, your word doesn't fail. You sent your word and healed them and delivered them. You said, Jesus, bore my sickness and disease. You said, you said that the Word works. It's incorruptible. You said that that Word has got to work. It's got to work. You said so. Where did I miss it, Lord? Where was I wrong? Did I walk out of love? Wasn't I using wisdom? Did I speak the wrong words? Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.